What's happening, party people? I just want to let you know that if you enjoy listening to this podcast, I would so appreciate it if you would subscribe. That way you can keep up with the episodes that I try to push out every week. And also, if you wouldn't mind leaving a review and a rating wherever you listen to the podcast, that'd be super. And I so appreciate you guys spreading the word, sending me sweet messages on social media saying that you enjoy my podcast. You do not know how much that means to me. So thank you, thank you, thank you. Sharing with you guys has always been a passion of mine since early blogging days, and now I have this other platform where I can just share even more, whether you guys like it or not. And um, yeah, so thank you so much for following along here and letting me know when you do enjoy what I do. Thanks, guys. So, spoiler alert, I um, didn't always foresee myself becoming an art teacher. I know I've shared this in previous podcasts, so I'm not going to go into the details, but that wasn't the path that I envisioned for myself, like, ever. But I eventually became an art teacher. You might, you might have been aware After graduating from the painting program at my college, I watched all of my painting peers apply and be accepted to various grad schools to get their MFA in painting. And me having a BFA in painting, I was so stinking jealous. I hated to see my endless days of painting and the studio that I had in college. It was such an amazing opportunity. I loved it. And I hated seeing it come to an end. I still had one more semester, Um, I remember, before my teaching degree was complete. All my friends had moved on, and I was stuck at school. On the horizon for me, student teaching. I remember I moved out of my dorm that had this window view of my painting studio, and I moved into an enormous grad dorm. For some reason, I was one of those weirdos in college that never, ever lived off campus. I was the oldie in the dorms. And I remember when I was a freshman in college, there was this guy, this like old dude who would um, come down to the cafeteria where I worked. I worked in my dorms cafeteria. He would come down there. He had long hair and a beard. We used to call him Jesus, which is so funny because my husband actually resembles this dude. My husband has red hair and a beard, and my nickname for him is Ginger Jesus. Regardless, this guy would come downstairs with his beard and his hair in a bathrobe with not a lot underneath, like maybe some boxer shorts, which another hilarious note, I'm actually sitting right now talking to you in a bathrobe. It's come full circle, you guys. I remember he would come down and in my freshman year, I would think, yeah, that guy is so old. What is he like, 22? Why is he still living in a dorm? Well, payback must be, you know, H-E double hockey sticks, because that was me, 22 years old, getting ready to do my student teaching, moved on in to the grad dorm. And I no longer knew anybody in that dorm. But you know what? I wasn't too worried about it. I knew that I only had to make it through the first phase of my student teaching experience. And I'd applied to do the second half of my student teaching abroad in Ireland. 
I kept to myself. I ate my meals in my room, and I did a lot of embroidery on random thrift store dresses instead of lesson planning. The year was 1998. Student teaching probably looked a whole lot different then than it does now. My first stint was in a high school. As the end of my art education experience came to an end, we were to decide what age range we would like to teach, elementary, middle, or high school. And I had done a little bit of time hanging out in an elementary art room, and those kids, you guys, they ate my lunch. And I remember the cooperating teacher in that elementary school let my professor know just how unimpressed she was by me and my lesson plans. And she wasn't wrong, you guys. I mean, I'm not trying to paint a picture of her being mean. She wasn't helping me out at all, but she definitely was not wrong. I mean, I thought, you know what, when I do my student teaching, obviously elementary is not for me. Maybe it's high school. At least they don't shove marker caps up their noses, right? Boy, was I wrong. They do, in fact, shove marker caps up their noses. And then they attempt to blow them out across the room. It just looked like a lot less cute and little doing it. But in the late 1990s, there were no cell phones, which also meant that there was no social media, no cyberbullying, no Facebook stalking. Basically, it was the good old days. And if you wanted to get to know someone, the most edgy thing that you could do was ask for their email and hope that your dial-up made it just long enough so that you could send them a message. So some of what I'm about to share comes from 1990s student teacher in Cassie. And some of that comes from Cassie, who's, why am I talking about myself in third person, who's actually hosted some student teachers in the now. First of all, Know that your student teaching experience does not define you. There are so many factors that go into student teaching. Your relationship with your cooperating teacher, the school that you're placed in, the students, and your preparedness, or in my experience, the lack thereof. For the most part, these things are beyond your control, right? except for the the lack of preparedness. I mean, I could have at least attended some of my classes. You can get to school early every day. You can create the most exciting of lessons, prepare the supplies, wear funky earrings that match your project, and you can still be met with resistance from the students and from the teachers. Life lesson, though. Get used to that and start growing your thick skin right now. But this is not an indicator. None of it is an indicator of the teacher who you are or the one that you will become. I remember standing in the shower of my dorm room. I can like see it like it was yesterday. Every single morning I would stand in that shower and I would cry. To say that I hated student teaching was an understatement. I could not wait for it to end. Those kids were completely uninterested in my lessons. They chatted while I attempted to teach. They snapped pencils. They doodled on their desk. There was even this kid who would crawl under his table, eat potato chips, and nap every single day. And I had to talk over his snoring. 
I'm cooperating teacher, she was nice and I liked her, but looking back, I'd say she was, you know, a little bit burnt out. She was kind of over it. She did a lot of shoulder shrugging and tisking and eye rolling when I told her, you know, about Nap Boy. That's just how high schoolers are. That's what she would tell me. Thank goodness I'm not going to be an art teacher. That was what I thought. The good thing about student teaching now is that most schools require you to do several placements, you know, not just one. And this allows you to experience different settings, different teaching styles, age groups, demographics, and so much more. You also have the opportunity to grow from your mistakes, each and every single mishap during student teaching and even now when I'm teaching, it's a chance to learn. It's a chance to change. And if you really like think about it, don't dwell on it, it's a chance for you to improve. So before you start student teaching, or I guess we'll put the spin on it before you take a student teacher, these are kind of my five tips for making the most of your experience. All right, student teachers, Thing number one, never be late. Be early. If the school day begins at 8 a.m., don't roll in with the students. Show up at least 15 minutes early and offer to help. If you arrive before your cooperating teacher, get to work. Sharpen some pencils, clean some paintbrushes, take a look around, see what needs to be done, and get started. If you're like me and have a miserable time getting up in the morning, set your alarm clock a little bit earlier. I probably spend the first 20 minutes of every single morning, probably more like 30 or 40 even, making my coffee, looking at my phone, leafing through a magazine, searching for a good murdery podcast to get me through my morning. Don't judge. I know this about myself. So I know I have to get up a little bit earlier to kind of build in that wake-up buffer. If you're late, do not start with the excuses. Your cooperating teacher already knows how bad traffic is and how hard it is to get up in the morning. Just apologize sincerely and try not to let it happen again. And please, definitely do not come in late carrying a cup of coffee from the local coffee shop. Oh, you had time to stop for a cup of coffee, which made you late, and you didn't bring me one? Noted. Second thing I think student teachers, you really need to remember is to stay off your phone. I don't know what kind of relationship that you have with your phone, but for now, you two are going to have to cool it. Put your phone on silent, put it in your bag. Forget about it. Do not keep it in your pocket. It'll be too tempting for you to pull out and just start scrolling through. And nothing sends an, I'm bored, or I'd rather be somewhere else, message than you mindlessly staring at your phone. Is that really what you want your cooperating teacher or your students to think? Now, you might see your cooperating teacher on their phone. Guess what? It's their classroom. It doesn't make it right, but... They aren't the one under scrutiny here. You are. So some examples, they don't need to be followed. Of course, you'll want to take photos of your lessons, the art room, your displays, and yourself teaching. Those are going to come in really handy when you start creating your teaching portfolio when you go to get a job. 
But for that, I would recommend getting an actual camera. You can get one really cheap, like in the $100 range. This way, the photos are going to be of a higher resolution, they'll print more clearly, and you'll only get that camera out when it'll, it'll be more purposeful than just like mindlessly pulling out your phone. Now, that being said, be sure and get permission from your cooperating teacher before taking photos. Find out what the school policy is. I would strongly recommend that you don't share any images on social media other than your own lessons and your own artwork and your own displays. Definitely do not take pictures of the children. You you just don't want to do that. You'll have plenty of time to share your own amazingness when you get your own art room, and then you'll know your own school's policies. Just tread lightly when it comes to photos. Another thing that I'd recommend that you do is you should feel free to express yourself, but respectfully. During my very first year of teaching, I had an issue with a fellow teacher, and I needed to talk about it with my administration. And I knew what I wanted to say, but I didn't know how to say it. So I sat down with a teacher friend who gave me the best advice ever. She said, you can say anything that needs to be said as long as you do so respectfully. There may be times when you don't agree with your cooperating teacher. You may not understand her methods or her madness, why she chose one medium over the other, why he reprimanded a student in a certain way, why they taught this artist instead of that. But before passing judgment, ask, and then be sure to listen. Student teaching is the one time in your career where you're going to have daily access to a mentor. So ask questions, be curious, and pay close attention, both to what you want to do in the future and what you want to make sure not to do. Learning by non-example, meaning things you don't want to do, is just as valuable as learning by example. Now, that being said, ask for a sit-down. The moment you get your first art teacher and job, you're going to have a million questions in your head. While you have access to an actual art teacher and their art room, request time for a sit down. You'll have your own questions, I'm sure. But here's what I would recommend you ask. What supplies should I order? Now these questions I'm about to share, these are the questions that I get all the time. So these are questions that I'm sure people are wishing they would have asked their cooperating teacher. So make sure that you do. What supplies should I order? Get your hands on an art supply catalog and ask your cooperating teacher what are the most needed items for your art room. If you flip through an art supply catalog, you'll notice that for each variety of art supply, there are pages and pages of brands to choose from it's impossible to know what to purchase as a newbie. Your cooperating teacher is going to have recommendations for you. So while creating this list, be sure and prioritize because you never know what your budget's going to be like. It might not be as big as your cooperating teacher or it might be bigger. So make sure you ask her what supplies, if you had the budget, would you also think that I should include? Ask them also 
how should I organize art supplies? Y'all, I'm 21 years into teaching art, and I'm still trying to figure out how to organize, one, my life, two, art supplies. Some people are just gifted at organizing. And then there's people like me. So ask your cooperating teacher, because I bet she or he has at least some methods of organizing supplies that might work for you. You'll probably pick up on this as you are student teaching. Take a mental note of everything. How does your art teacher set up for watercolor painting? And how does that differ from when he sets up for tempera painting? Are there table caddies? And what supplies are in each? Does she distribute supplies or do the kids go and get them on their own? Look at each of these methods carefully. And if you're curious, ask. Also ask, how should I organize student artwork? When I started teaching you guys, I had no earthly idea how I was going to organize the piles of artwork that my students were creating. For a while, I had them first write their name and their last name and their teacher's name and the date on the back of every single work of art. Two hours later, we could finally get started. It wasn't until like my second year of teaching when I was hanging out in another art teacher's room did I find that simply having the kids write a, quote, teacher code, meaning like Mrs. Walker's first graders would write their name and then W for Walker, one for first grade. That's a teacher code. I didn't know what that was until my second year of teaching. It would have saved me so much time. If only I had asked during student teaching. By nature, many of us creative types do not have an organized mind, and I'm usually fine with that until I lose an entire class's work of art. Do not follow my example. Find out all the organizational tips during your student teaching time. It will save your sanity later, even if you still occasionally lose an entire class's work of art. Definitely ask and this, it's like not even a question, really. It's more of an observation. How should I handle classroom management? The biggest thing new teachers struggle with is classroom management. My classroom management style has changed a lot over the years, and yours will too. But to get you started, pay close attention to how your cooperating teacher handles discipline. My student teaching placements, many of them, mine began after the school year has already started, which is really, really silly. I wanted to say stupid, so I'm just going to say it's really, really stupid because as a, as a cooperating teacher, as a, a student teacher, sorry, what you need to see is the very, very beginning, the day one. How do they introduce rules and routines? How do they talk about consequences? Because if you're walking in and it's two weeks in, hopefully rules, routines, procedures, consequences have already been established. So you're walking into a situation that looks like kids magically know what to do. Kids never magically know what to do, by the way. So if you are in one of those situations where you don't get to see a classroom teacher or cooperating teacher from the very first day, ask, ask, ask. How did you introduce rules? How do they know how to walk in and align? How do they know how to come in and sit? How do they know how to do call and response? Ask. And if you don't get the answers that you want or like, 
I actually have been posting a lot about that both on my blog and my YouTube channel and right here on this podcast, talking about what happens in my room on the very first days. Those first days are vital. Find out as much as you can. That is what's really going to solidify your classroom management from the get-go. And then lastly, make sure you ask your cooperating teacher, how do I keep up with grades, assessments, evaluations, SLOs, and more? I remember during my first year of teaching, sitting in one of the many back-to-school meetings and feeling like I was learning a foreign language for the very first time. Not only were they throwing around words like data, evaluation, assessment, the rest, but there was also a slew of abbreviations that I still don't have a clue what they mean. Be sure and pick your cooperating teacher's brain on how he keeps up with it all. And... What actually needs to be kept up with? You're not going to be able to balance everything. Ask, how do I prioritize grades, evaluations, and the rest so that I still have time for a life outside of school? There are going to be countless questions that you're going to have from art shows to fundraisers, room decor, and budgets. So be sure and learn as much as you can. And finally, keep in mind that you, as a student teacher, you're in somebody else's, quote, house. You're a guest. So be respectful of your cooperating teacher's space, her system for organization, his management style. But don't you be afraid to try new things. This is your time, your time, to implement what you've learned in your art ed classes, what you've seen other teachers do perhaps online or, or from friends. Of course, you should run it past your cooperating teacher first. And don't be pawed off when they tell you all the reasons that it may or may not work. Respectfully, just let them know that you want to give it a go anyway. You may sink. You're going to sink. I'm just telling you. I sink on the daily, just so you know. You may swim, and you will swim. You will swim. But make sure that you try. If I were in the room with you right now, all you cute little student teachers, I would give you the warmest, biggest, dirty bathrobinist hug and squeeze that I could. You've got this. Good luck.